Hi there, and happy Tuesday evening to you. This is Chris Higirian, your host here of the 8160 on 90.9 The Bridge. Hope you're having a lovely Tuesday today. Uh, if you're an avid listener to this show, in the past few years, every July, we've done a, th- a series of shows, and this July we continued that pattern, and I've been doing a series of having different musicians on our show, talking to them about the concerts that changed their life. And I had this idea for a series of shows I don't know, six or seven months ago. And as COVID hit, it seemed like a nice way for us to talk about live concerts because so many of us really miss the big live shows. And the month turned out to be an amazing run of shows on this radio show. And uh, if you want to go back, you can check out all of the archive of the conversations with musicians on our website, on the Bridge website. But we had, last week we had Addie Sartino of the Greening Committee in. The week before that, we had Marty Hilliard of Ebony Tusks. We also had in Amy Farron of Amy Farron and the like, and then Isaac Flynn of the band Hembry. They sat down with us, and each of them shared five of the concerts that changed their life. And this week, I am stealing my own show, and I'm going to share with you at least five of the concerts that changed my life. And in preparation for this show... You know, some of these stories I've told so many times. If ever there was a show that felt like ripping out pages uh, of your diary and sharing it with friends and friends who listen and Kansas City musicians who listen and also total strangers, this is that show. And um, obviously this is a, a radio station, The Bridge, and we're obviously beyond passionate about music and this is the a huge part of my life, obviously, is music. And to get to tell these stories on the radio is a gift, uh, is a huge gift from this station to allow me to do that. Um, but as we kicked off tonight's show, that was music from the band Sigaros, who are one of the greatest bands in the entire world. They come from Iceland. That was the song Talk from their record called Talk, T-A-K-K. And I thought it was a nice, subtle intro for what will be a name-dropping, steamroller, heavy-hitting, sessions-on-the-couch show for me as I talk about and walk through some of the concerts that changed my life. Let's get to it. Number one, we kicked off with Sigaros. We'll do some Sigaros. The first time I got to see these guys, September 24th, 2005. And they had played Liberty Hall... And I missed it. And all I did was hear how amazing it was, how people left Liberty Hall in Lawrence, Kansas, weeping. And I regret that I wasn't at that show. And they were touring around America, but they were skipping us here in Kansas City in this area. And they played in Minneapolis at the, at the State Theater, again, September 24, 2005. And I needed to make the trip. And uh, me and my buddy Shepa. If you know DJ Sheppa, he DJs all over town, makes really cool Instagram videos. Me and him drove up there. I think we stayed for the night and came back the next day and got to see Sigaros. And um, in a minute, I'm going to play a live version of the second song they played that night. Uh, and all their songs are named uh, in Icelandic or even more peculiar, some of them in Hopelandic, which is a the language they have made up. But if you aren't familiar with Sigaros, it's just a really interesting project that's been, you know, 20 plus years in the making now, constantly putting out new music. And Yonsi is the lead singer. He put out a solo track earlier this year. Right as COVID hit, it was quite calming. I played it on the show months ago. But um, the song we're going to play is 
Glossali, Glossali, and uh, I'm actually going to play a live version. Uh, the version I'm playing is from the UK. It aired on, uh, I think, BBC One, um, but it's from October 18th, 2013. But the show I'm talking about, again, September 24th, 2005. First time I got to see them, this was the second song of the night, and my favorite memory would have been the awkward moment at the end of the show when I turned to the person I did not know next to me and I said, what do we do now? Like after the encore ended and you're just exhausted, like the music's insane. He's hitting these insane falsettos. He's sawing away at his guitar with his uh, violin bow. And there's these amazing visuals and all this animated stuff on these scrims. And it just felt like the craziest thing I'd ever seen. And I turned to the person next to me and I said, what do we do now? And I remember what I said, I'm going to go let all the animals out of the zoo. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but if you've seen Sigaros, or perhaps if you were at Yonsi's show at Liberty Hall, April 22nd, 2010, another show that was just a steamroller of a show, maybe you can appreciate it. If you can't, just sit back and enjoy this song from Sigaros, from one of the concerts that changed my life, kicking off five or six concerts we'll get to talk about today. I got to see him in Minneapolis for the first time in 2005. This is a live version of Glossali from the UK in October 18th, 2013. Here it is, and I hope you get to sit back and enjoy this entire show as we flip through my musical diary and I get to share with you some of the concerts that changed my life. Thanks for hanging out with us.
That was music from Siga Rose. The song was called Glossali. It's a live version of the song that was recorded back in 2013. I played it as we're going through some of the concerts that changed my life. I got to see them in Minneapolis in 2005. And it blew my mind and uh, have since become one of my favorite bands ever. And uh, when I was looking for recordings of it, I ran across this co- this quote by a person named Alan Day Botton. Um, and the quote is, We don't cry because something is sad. We cry because something is more beautiful than we expected it to be. And every Sigur Rós concert I've ever been to is that. Uh, it's always more beautiful than I could have ever expected it to be. And uh, happy to play music from them as we kick off my list of five or six shows that changed my life. We'll see how many we're able to get through. So this next one is Damien Rice. And uh, hopefully you've got to see him. He played, the first time he played this area was back in 2002, April-ish. And it was at the Liberty Hall. And before that, the day before that, he played at the pageant in St. Louis. And I was lucky that I got to meet uh, Damien Rice and Lisa Hannigan when uh, they played in St. Louis and in Lawrence. And then, uh, actually, the opener of those shows was The Frames, featuring uh, Glenn Hansard, of course, now doing great things on this station and, and everywhere. And um, But this Damien Rice concert was at Bonnaroo. It was June 12, 2004. And uh, I had gone to Bonnaroo by myself. And um, if you haven't been or aren't familiar, Bonnaroo is in Manchester, Tennessee, which is on the other side of Nashville from here. That year was the third or fourth year of the festival. There was 140,000 people there. It rained five inches. And the festival at that time, even as big as it was, was still pretty crude. And it's very literally a cornfield. And you put five inches of water on a cornfield and it becomes this suction cup mud fest and uh it was pretty brutal but if you don't know damien rice's music his album O, which came out in the uk in 20 uh, 2002 and then in america in 2003 is just one of the most beautiful perfect records ever and uh fight me and i love it so much and at the bridge in our office there's a like a gold record commemorative record in there and I joke that if my show ever goes away, I'm taking that record off the wall. But um, he put that out, and it hit me in all sorts of different ways. I had a pretty rough uh, 2002 and 2003 and lost a couple friends and uh, that had passed away. And that record, for whatever reason, became this like crutch for me. It was just this huge relief, release rather, of music and emotion. And... Um, Again, June 11, 2004, it's hot as crazy outside, and then it starts to rain. But um, I'm walking over to see where Damien Rice is going to play. And uh, a musician I love, Beth Orton, is playing the stage before he is. And I see this really skinny little dude walking around in this funny hat, no shirt, and this really long, like, sun skirt. And it's Damien Rice. And I end up flagging him down, and we end up just sitting there talking about music. And he uh, remembered me, having met me from uh, the Kansas City and St. Louis thing uh, show a while back. And uh, he's like, oh, the Kansas City guy. And uh, which I th- was, you know, 
I was floating from that moment. And we're just sitting there in the grass talking about music. And I'm asking him, like, what are you listening to? And he's like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, I'm listening to you. And uh, I remember talking to him and asking him. <laughs> I wanted a, a more a profound answer, but I didn't get it. But I said to him, what's it like, you know, walking around this crowd of 140,000 people in your own anonymity now, but in, you know, an hour, two hours, whatever, you're going to go on that stage, and he was playing one of the smaller tents. If you haven't been to Bonnaroo, there's about eight stages. Two of them hold, you know, 60,000 or so, and then the tents hold maybe 15, 10,000 10, or so. I said, what's it like to know that in a couple hours, all these people are going to be crammed into this tent to watch you play? And right now, they're just all walking around, and he's like, oh, I never really thought about that. And uh, so we just sat there and chilled in the grass and talked about music. Uh, and it was perfect. And that show that night, during his set, it just started to pour. And uh, the tent's bottom was sand. And I remember I had a backpack and it was starting to flood. But you didn't care because you were just lost in the music. And um, fortunately, there was a taper there that night. Bonnaroo has so many tapers. Uh, people who come out and record all the shows. And uh, they were recorded a really great version of the song Cannonball, which came late in the set at Bonnaroo, June 12th, 2004, at one of the concerts that changed my life. So I wanted to play that version for you, live from Bonnaroo, from back when we used to have music festivals. Here's Cannonball from Damien Rice. So 
So close that I can't see what's going on This stone's taught me to fly And love taught me to lie Life taught me to die So it's not hard And that was music from Damien Rice. The song was called Cannonball. That was a live recording, so I hope you enjoyed the applause. That was from Bonnaroo, June 11, 2004. And if you're just joining us, this is the 8160 here on 90.9 The Bridge. My name is Chris Aguirian. And this month, July and now into August, we've done a series of five shows where we've sat down with different musicians and they've shared with us the concerts that changed their life, we had Addie from the Greeting Committee, Isaac from Hembry, Amy Farron from Amy Farron and the like, and Marty Hilliard from Ebony Tusks. And I thought about this idea for a series a long time ago, and as COVID hit and none of us were able to go to shows, I thought it'd be a fun way for us to talk about shows and dig a little deep and talk about some of the shows that changed our life. And I have chosen to open up this show as a weird diary look into my musical life. Uh, but that song, again, coming out of Damien Rice, live from Bonnaroo, June 11, 2004, a concert that certainly changed my life. And this next one's a doozy, too. So I'll take some ridicule for this, but I'll own it. I used to be a fan of the Dave Matthews Band. And I used them as a gateway to a lot of things, where I would travel to some of their shows, and it let me see a lot of this country and whenever I would travel, I'd, you know, you make friends and you eat at nice restaurants and I'd always go to the art museums. So there's this place up in Seattle, uh, north of Seattle called The Gorge. It's in George, Washington. You have to say those words slowly, otherwise it sounds weird. But The Gorge is the most beautiful concert venue in, the, in America. And yes, I've been to Red Rocks and yes, I've been to Alpine Valley. But The Gorge, there's something about it. And back in the day, you know, 20 years ago, back to 2002, Dave Matthews Band would play there three nights in a row. And this is in the time of message boards. And I found on this message board this group of people that were meeting uh, half an hour away from the venue at a hotel because it's so remote up there. There's not a lot of hotels. And on a whim, I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Seattle, Washington, and see Dave Matthews play three nights up in this remote place. And I'm going to jump on this bus with, the, bus with these strangers and see what happens. Uh, I was young, and I didn't care. It was fun. And in the end, 
I I went on it. I went on that same trip three years, and I met great people all around this country. I was lucky to take my uh, good friend uh, A Rob up there once, and my buddy Michael Margario, who I was uh, best man in his wedding. He was up there once, and he's also a nice segue. So again, the setting is 2002 September, less than a year after 9/11. And as I was planning this trip. I was reading about this band who had just done some bigger room or some decent sized rooms and bigger markets in America in 2002 that had been touring America from the UK called Coldplay. And uh, they were playing two days before the Dave Matthews band in Seattle. So I flew into Portland, drove up from Portland to Seattle, which is a beautiful drive. And I went to see Coldplay play. They played this uh, theater called the Paramount Theater, which is probably uptown size. And uh, an amazing show. And when Marty Hilliard was on and did his session, we talked about Coldplay. And, you know, it's one of those bands that it's hard to listen to now. But back in that day, in early aughts, they were a force. But so I went in to two days early, saw Coldplay. And um, I happened to be staying at my buddy, Michael Margario's sister's home. This home is this beautiful, huge house in Seattle. And the band Mud Honey, you know, one of the founders of the grunge movement, used to live in this home. And off of the kitchen was this little nook. And in this nook, for a very short period of time, lived the one and only Kurt Cobain. And if you have his journal, which was released, I don't know, a decade and a half ago or so, uh, he'd written part of that journal while sitting, living in this nook off this kitchen in this house in Seattle that Mud Honey lived in that I was fortunate to get to spend two nights in while I was in town to see Coldplay. But there's more. So I had researched and found out about this venue called the Crocodile Cafe. In 2013, Rolling Stones magazine called the Crocodile the seventh best club in America. Everyone who's anybody back then played there, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, R.E.M., and it was opened by Stephanie Dorgan. And later, she married Peter Buck of R.E.M. And um, I wanted to go to that venue, so I, I left the Coldplay concert. And I don't know how I got there. This is pre-Uber, pre-smartphone. But I took a cab, I guess. And I go to the Croc, and I walk in, and it's packed, just so packed. And I'm, I'm one of the very few dudes in there. And I start talking to the woman next to me. Again, this is September 4th, 2002. I turn to the woman next to me. I'm like, man, this is great. Who is this? Who's this lady? (laughs) And she says, that's Brandy Carlisle. And Brandy Carlisle was from Wallula, Washington, a suburb of Seattle, Washington. And that was one of her mainstays where she had like a weekly or a monthly. And on this night, the same night I got to see Coldplay for the first time, on a trip to the Pacific Northwest in the most beautiful venue I've ever been in, on a trip to see the Dave Matthews Man and meet a bunch of new friends, I got to see Brandy Carlisle. I'm going to play for you a song from a record of hers that came out in 2003 that doesn't really exist anywhere. It's called We're Growing Up. You know, in 2005, her major label debut came out, self-titled Brandy Carlisle, uh, on Red Ink, which was part of Columbia. And then, of course, 2007, the story comes out, and then she's like the voice of Grey's Anatomy, and then, then, and she's everywhere. 
But I had this great, this whole huge, so concentrated music trip of Mud Honey and Kurt Cobain and Coldplay and Brandy Carlisle and Dave Matthews Band and not to mention John Butler Trio opened for them for three nights up at the Gorge and just an amazing trip, so concentrated of music. And I feel so fortunate that I got to take that back in 2002. So I want to play some music from Brandy Carlisle. I don't remember if she played this song, but if you are a Brandy Carlisle fan, this song sounds a whole lot more like Frog Pond than it sounds like what you know as Brandy Carlisle now. But I'm happy to share it with you. If you've never heard it before, you can find this on YouTube. If you look for Brandy Carlisle, We're Growing Up. The name of the song is called Silver Cloud. Here it is. I was on by the old schoolyard inside as I envisioned the years behind us and your decisions. Whatever it takes, whatever you. That's music from Brandy Carlisle, a song you've probably never heard that was on her studio album in 2003 before she had any major label releases. This, the studio album is called We're Growing Up. The song is called Silver Cloud. If you're a fan, and I'm betting you are because you're listening to this station, 
You can check that out on YouTube. I'm not sure where else it exists for you to hear. It doesn't even exist on her own Wikipedia page. But I played that because I'm sharing with you some of the concerts that changed my life. I am Chris Higarian. This is the 8160 on 90.9 The Bridge. This is the part five, the final part of five weeks of shows where we've shared with, had different musicians in, and they've shared with us the concerts that changed their life. And this week, I'm stealing my own radio show and doing that. That was one of them. We've heard from Damian Rice, Siga Rose, Brandy Carlisle, and um, up next, I don't even know how this show happened, how I was there, why I was there, how I got front row balcony tickets, but we're going back to 1999, October 1st, 1999, Uptown Theater, the Chemical Brothers. They had released a record called Surrender, and this song called The Sunshine Underground, the, the song in my head that moment replays like in almost famous when he lights the match and listens to the record as young as a young boy and then William Miller and then as he grows and ages you know uh, seven or eight years and is on the road with Stillwater this song in my head replays as that moment where this song that night it messed with me pretty hard and I was already listening to a lot of electronica music and intelligent dance music. That was a word, uh, words, a phrase before EDM existed. And uh, I'm still a huge fan and a supporter of music producers, electronic music producers. And there's such there's so many great ones in here in Kansas City, and I try and play them on my show. But this show at the Uptown, Tim Finn was there, and we've talked about this several times. It's the loudest thing I've ever heard. And it felt like you were in a room wearing headphones that were turned up all the way while the speakers in the room you were in were also turned up all the way. And he tells it that he actually had to hide out in the the entryway of the uptown because it was so loud. And somehow I'm in the front row of the balcony looking down at this. And I think my sister was with me. And the whole floor just moved like this single-minded organism and just flexed and flowed and it was just a really cool thing and just totally overwhelming there was like six screens hanging down and i went back and googled around for some old footage it's hard to find stuff from 1999 but this presentation you know on all of these screens and one of the first electronica shows i'd ever been to and to start so high with the chemical brothers you know if these guys had ever come around again I'd be there in a second, but that's the only time they played here in Kansas City. And then that night, they ended up playing an after party <laughs> at the old El Torreon. If you were there, I'd love to hear your stories from it. But here's music from Surrender, from the Chemical Brothers. The song is called The Sunshine Underground. It's an eight-plus-minute song. I'm going to play part of it. I'm going to see how long I play. It's going to depend on how much talking I can fit into the show. But here's music from the Chemical Brothers, one of the concerts that changed my life on October 1st, 1999.
that was music from the Chemical Brothers. I shared that song with you today here on the 8160 on 90.9 The Bridge. As I'm sitting down and sharing with you part five of a series of con- uh, of conversations with musicians, and this week's a conversation with myself, of concerts that changed my life. We've had a great run of shows all July, and it's ending in the first week of August here. We've had Isaac Flynn of Hembry, Adi Sartino of the Greeting Committee, Marty Hilliard of Ebony Tusks, and Amy Farron of Amy Farron and the like. They've each sat down with us for a week. We interviewed them all on Zoom and shared with each one of them, uh, they, each one of them shared with us five concerts that changed their life. And I wanted to do that for myself this week. And so far we've heard music from Siga Rose, Brandy Carlisle, Damian Rice. That was from the Chemical Brothers. And then up next is the farthest back we'll go on this journey. September, no it's not, November 3rd, 1996. I went to the University of Kansas. And if you haven't been to the Lead Center at University of Kansas, it's a great room. It was even greater in 1996, you know, when it was a little newer. Uh, But they get a lot of good concerts over there. And I happened to live across the street from the venue, the Lead Center, in 1996 when I was going to school at KU. And it was Tori Amos at the Lead Center. And I'm sitting here shaking my head. You can't see that. But in my memory of this show, it's just this beautiful, tension-filled night of music. And if you haven't seen Tori, uh, I'm sorry, you should have. But to have seen a young Tori, you've already missed out on that. But, you know, she'd flip back and forth playing solo between a harpsichord and an organ or an organ and a piano and she'd sit there and the same way a, a good DJ would jockey back and forth between albums during a set she'd be playing both of them at the same time and then when it came time to it they'd come out and replace the organ with her harpsichord or something like that and they had these amazing lights that I swore like crawled over the crowd and just as I left that show, maybe that's what set me on this path of loving music like this station. Steamroller songs instead of a... I've always said I'm not good at fun music. I like music that punches you in the face and makes you want to cry. And maybe that stems back to this show, Tori Amos at the Lead Center, November 3rd, 1996. And if you were there, tell me about it, because I'd love to hear what you remember about it. Uh, I do remember that was the first time I believe I saw the Fred Phelps protesters they were outside and uh, 24 years ago uh, I was a kid and um, I remember Tori talking about them and uh, hating on their mission and that being uh, getting a lot of rise out of the crowd and from that show definitely the most memorable moment of the evening was her all acapella standing there all vulnerable singing the steamroller of a song me and a gun but playing that for you on the radio seems a little mean as perhaps you're rushing home with your groceries or picking up your child from daycare or something like that. So I thought I'd play the song before that from the same record, back from Little Earthquakes, all the way back to, what are we, in 1992. The song is called Tear in Your Hand, the song before Me and a Gun, uh, and just such a steamroller of a show the great Tori Amos, and hopefully on the other side of this, she'll get another tour in, and I encourage you to go check it out as her catalog's gotten just so massive. But uh, here's music from 
Tori Amos from one of the concerts that changed my life. Again, the date was the Leeds Center in Lawrence, Kansas, November 3rd, 1996. All the world just stopped now. So you say you don't want to stay together anymore. Let me take a deep breath, babe. If you need me, me and me will be Hanging out with the Dream King Need a shit hot by the way I don't believe you're leaving Cause me and Charles Mansion like the same ice cream I think it's that girl And I think the pieces of me you've never Black is 
That was music from 1992, Tearing Your Hand from Little Earthquakes by the great Tori Amos. This is the 8160 here on 90.9 The Bridge. I'm Chris Aguirian, and this has been my diary reading of the concerts that changed my life, or sessions on the couch. It feels like a therapy session. Uh, as I've been sharing with you some of the concerts that changed my life, we're through five, Siga Rose, uh, Brandy Carlisle, Chemical Brothers, and Damien Rice, and that was Tori Amos, which leads us to one last bonus show. October 8, 2005, I was in Lawrence, Kansas, seeing two of my favorite bands play, musicians play, at the Granada, and already a memorable evening, October 8, 2005, what Pace Magazine calls one of the greatest living songwriters, Josh Ritter, was playing, opening up for him. No, he was opening up, brother, for The Frames, of course, fronted by Glenn Hansard. And uh, The Frames were huge in Ireland already, uh, and bigger in Europe, but came over and started touring in America, opening for Damien Rice back in 2002, building some notoriety. And obviously, Glenn Hansard's gone on to do amazing things with the swell season and has an Oscar and an amazing dude who loves this station. Uh, he gave a love, a lot of love to John Hart, one amazing show at Liberty Hall. So Josh Ritter, The Frames, already a beautiful night. I've already talked about Damien Rice in the show, but Damien Rice and Glenn Hansard were friends. And that show ended with Glenn playing a song that he and Damien Rice had just written together. Uh, if I was a better at this, I would have researched the name of the song. I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was blowing my mind in every way. I loved it so much. An amazing show. And another musician was playing down the street at Replay Lounge, and I was hoping I'd get out of this show at the Granada in time to get to the Replay Lounge. If you're familiar, that's about 150 steps. And I walked down the street, walk into Replay, you know, pay my, I think at that time, in 2005, it was like a $2 cover for replay shows. And I walk in and I see what will become one of my favorite musicians ever from South Lee County, Iowa, the great William Elliott Whitmore. And if you've been to replay, you know it's a small venue, a, a very quaint, uh, simple venue, simple room. And they have a simple stage that's probably up, you know, 10 inches off the ground. And in this evening, William Elliott Whitmore has chosen to not even play on the stage. He's very literally playing on a stool in the middle of the room, pouring out his soul. And, you know, he was from Iowa, not too far from Lawrence, and he'd come down here and play, uh, I guess, every once in a while. I wasn't familiar with his music until leading up to that show, and I had read about him. I know uh, Jackie Becker uh, from Eleven and Mammoth Productions has a great has had a great relationship with him and used to do some booking for him and since then you know he's played middle of the map I don't know two or three times we bought him a birthday cake uh, he's come on this show he came on this show one time he was playing the record bar on a Tuesday night during pledge even and he came on the show and played live for us in our studio one of the the greater moments of this show is history and uh, this night first time I got to see Will play. And I remember just hearing the song Dry. The song's called Dry. And just this, he has the voice of the American Revolution. He sounds like a whiskey-soaked, soot-covered train roaring through the night as you're trying to sleep. This this voice that sounds like a 70-year-old man and 
at the time, this is 15 years ago, Will would have been like 25 or 26 years old. Him and his uh, wife just had a baby. Congratulations to him on that. And if you're not familiar with William Elliott Whitmore, you got to check out his catalog. Go to Spotify. One of the most beautiful records I own is his three-album uh, set that he re-released. He re-recorded his first three records in a beautiful packaging. Uh, limited edition, 500 copies. It's one of my favorite albums I own by one of my favorite musicians. And I'm lucky to get to call him uh, a buddy. Uh, not a great friend, but a casual buddy, I guess, and happy to have worked with him on different festivals and had him on the show. And uh, yeah, that wraps up this session. One thing I didn't get in that I wanted to sneak in, Imaging Heap and Zoe Keating at the Bottleneck, May 22nd, 2006, right as Imaging Heap, also a frou-frou, blew up in America with the success of the Garden State soundtrack. I still can't believe I got to see that show at the Bottleneck. I think the walls were sweating it was so hot and so many people were crammed in there that night but i hope you've enjoyed this and if you missed any of the previous four shows with our musician friends go to the bridge website and you can check them out from our archive if you missed the start of this go back and hang out with us check it out on the archive i'll post that on facebook too and maybe the bridge will push it out on twitter and facebook as well but i hope you enjoyed the series we'll have to figure out what to, what to do next july here on the show but we're going to end this week's show with music from William Elliot Whitmore, one of my favorite musicians ever. The song was called Dry, thus wrapping up the concerts that changed my life. Thanks for hanging out. Take care. Yes, this And all those useless pains and fears These things that I won't miss mm-hmm. The morning glories and the Queen Anne's lace All baptized by the wind Inspirations are my saving grace These times we're living in Make a hard man humble Make a proud woman high her eyes from the light of day When all the crops have withered and died And the soil is blown away And the ground so dry The river's on its hands and knees I hear that tune in the breeze The crow is calling and I hear him well Up in the red bud tree And in his stories that you've lived to tell 
pass them down to me. Down on a night, a night like this 